Hi, this is Nayetta, and you're listening to The Health Show. To The Health Show. And you're listening to The Health Show. And you're listening to The Health Show. And you're listening to The Health Show. This is Nayetta. This is Carrie. And you're listening to The Health Show, Series 3, The History of Mental Health in America, Episode 6, Mental Health in Professional Sports, When There is No Finish Line. In this episode of Mental Health in Professional Sports, becoming injured in a sport you love so much can be a detrimental event. Yet many athletes can expect to suffer from an injury at some point in their athletic career. Although most injuries do not result in a significant time loss, it is noted that one injury is expected to occur every five practices and one injury every two games. The psychological process that occurred during the period of injury or recovery be different for all athletes. The way in which an athlete responds to the injury, emotionally, behaviorally, physically, and cognitively, can be significant effect in the athlete's mental health in a negative way if not handled appropriately. This month, we discuss how and why depression among athletes are more common emotional reactions to injury or normal. And also, we examine coping strategies that can help prevent the risk of depression. In America, sports psychology's roots date back to the late 19th and 20th century when several psychologists started conducting sports-related studies. In 1898, psychologist Norman Trippett found that cyclists actually made better time when they were competing against others in races versus when they cycled alone. And Edward Scripture, a psychologist at Yale University, studied the reaction time of runners. In the 1920s, psychologist Walter Miles, along with grad student B.C. Graves and college football coach Glenn Pop Warner, um, focused their attention on football. They wanted to find out the quickest way for offensive linemen to move in harmony after the center ball hiked, the center hiked the ball. So Miles created his own equipment for the experiment to ascertain the players' reaction times. Oh, wow. If you're a new listener to The Help Show, we would love to hear from you. Please visit thehelpshow.org and let us know how we can help you today. Welcome back. Um, so what a wonderful break we had here at The Help Show. Um, we actually had a break. <laughs> no social media was allowed. Um, I, I just really enjoyed relaxing. I spent time with my nieces and um, I spent time a little bit with my mom. I just actually relaxed. I, I really did That's something. Good for you. And, and then also in May, I finished up my classes for my graduate program. So I'm super excited about that. I graduated August the 9th. Um, super, super excited about that. This month, I also go to Costa Rica for the study ab- um, abroad for social work. So, congratulations. Uh, thank you. Thank you. So I'm just, we, we're back and I'm excited. And I, I'm, I just can't wait um, until you guys hear this episode. But I have a really special treat for you. I have two special treats. Um, we have a new co-host named Carrie Scott. Um, and then also we are actually um, recording at a, it's called Chisholm Country Store in Rockwall. So I'm going to let Carrie um, introduce herself and, you know, let you know about her practice and what she does. And then we're going to get um, this podcast started. And then we're going to also talk a little bit about Chisholm the country store. Wow. Thanks, Nayetta. I'm really excited to be here today and so appreciate you inviting me to come and join you in talking about mental health. So I'm a licensed professional counselor and supervisor. I practice um, here in Rockwall in my own office. Um, I see anywhere from like 
teens, adults, but I also see married couples as well. Mm -hmm. And I accept insurance, which seems to be pretty favorable. Um, and I'm just really excited to be here to talk about mental health in any way that I can get the word out. So thank you for that. Yay. And so we're at, quick question. We're here at Chisholm Country Store. How far is Chisholm from your office? So I'm on the opposite side of town. Um, from my office, Chosen Country Store is probably about, with lights and everything, about a 20 minute drive. Okay, that's not too bad. That's like coming from my house, which is in Dallas, the south of Dallas, going like way north, so 20 minutes. Yeah. So that's, that's a good little driving space. It's kind of in between Terrell and Rockwall. Okay, okay. That's one of Chisholm. But yeah, um, we're here at Chisholm Country Store and it's absolutely beautiful. Is This is a true, truly a country store. I think um, so. <laughs> yeah, and there's only, what's so great about it, um, it has antiques, that's number one. Mm -hmm. um, number two, there's two of everything, or one, she said there's no more than three of everything, mm -hmm. or four. You're not gonna be able to find a repeat item, I think is what she okay, said. Okay, I like that, which is good. So once you once you have that, that's it. That's, that's rare, it. that's rare. It's, it's yeah. like having a shoe that everybody has. Yeah. We only have one shoe that nobody has. That's right. <laughs> um, also, you can get, you know, for cat food, dog food. And then also, she talked about the menu. Um, so she has so like Carrie, let's get this interview. Let's get this um, podcast going. So first question for you, I'm kind of curious. Did you play um, Did you play any sports in school? And if so, what sports? And were you competitive? And and how long? Oh, okay. So I was definitely competitive um, in school. Uh, middle school, I was a cheerleader and kind of dabbled in some other sports, volleyball, basketball. Didn't really do a whole lot with it. But then after that, after middle school, I thought about being a cheerleader in high school, but I decided to go the direction of the arts. Okay. So I, you know, competed a lot in in band and doing performances and stuff like that, which is actually more competitive than people give it credit for. But as actually as far as being an actual athlete, now nah, that was kind of limited. <laughs> what about you? Did you play any sports in school? And, and what did that look like for you? Are you competitive? Um, I actually ran track. Wasn't that great? Okay. Um, and I didn't go for the competitive side. I went for the booty shorts. <laughs> so it's all about style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Don't look up to me. I'm just, <laughs> I was being serious. Like, um, I did 300 hurdles. I wasn't that great at it. I didn't um, make to competition. Mm -hmm. Some of the girls that were better than me, of course, the coach picked for them to go to competition. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't, it was just for the style and it should be cute, mm -hmm. you know? That's about it, that was for me. But I'm more competitive in like, um, when it comes to like, like education, when it yeah. comes to like finances, when it comes to like being like a better person or or in those type, in that realm of things, like who has a bigger house? Mm -hmm. I know it's kind of childish, but yes, me. Um, who, who has a better car? I'm getting better. I'm not like I used to be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm kind of mm -hmm. laid back. But back in the day, it was like, who had the who had the better car? Who had the better clothes? Who had the... That was my being competitive. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think competitive is being competitive no matter... Wait, no For no matter sure. you know, how you look at it. So sports, ran track, anything else? Nah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm curious. Do you think it's it's healthy to be competitive? Absolutely. If I don't think if we if we were not competitive, the world would be a very boring place. Ah. Um, I think competitive is extremely healthy. Um, I think it helps you become very goal set. Okay. If you're not competitive, how can you set a goal? Yeah. So I, I and I and I think that especially in sports, um, it, it helps you release those endorphins a little better. You get that mm -hmm. adrenaline that you don't get when you're not competitive. Like mm -hmm. I'm going to win. Um, I think competitive is important because it keeps you, it teaches you structure. 
-hmm. How can you win if you have no structure, if you have no discipline? Mm -hmm. I That's think true. I think com being competitive is extremely, extremely important. Now you can be overly competitive, but then I also think it's, you being competitive, you should be able to to learn to win and to learn to lose with that all going, you know, and under one umbrella. Because just as important it is to win, it's also just as important to learn. It's okay to lose. Yeah, that's where we learn a lot. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. In those times that we lose. And yeah. So what about you, Carrie? I do. I think on a really fundamental level, there's a primitive nature of survival of the fittest uh, to compete. Um, we know that like in the Olympics dates back, you know, hundreds of years ago. So, you know, we look at Roman times, they competed. So it's something I think is just really true to our nature to be athletic and to compete. Um, so I do think it's healthy. Of course, with anything, it can get, you know, out of control and go too extreme. Absolutely. But, um, I, I'm all for a little competition. Okay. I like that. All right, let's get them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carrie, let's play a little game. Um, name that athlete. Uh-oh. Um, and what do you really know about athletes? And so, I'm excited to actually start. I think I'm going to win. What do you think, Carrie? I think I'm going to win. You know what? Well, let's, let's get competitive. Okay. Okay. First one, Carrie. <clears throat> okay. A retired competitive swimmer is the most successful and most decorative Olympian of all time, boasting total of 28 medals, but that didn't make him immune to depression. Um, in 2018, interview with CNN, who has admitted, he admitted to using drugs to self-medicate and contemplating suicide. Now he uses his experience to help others through foundation with the Boys and Girls Club of America. I got this one. What you got? Michael Phelps. Let me, let me see, let me see. Okay, okay, you're right, you're right, you're right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate just because I got my first one right. Okay, okay. <laughs> so let's get this second one because I can't let you win. Hold on, let me get a tougher question. Okay. okay. Professional basketball player has lived with depression since childhood. When she was raped by a family member, she first tried to kill herself when she was 10 and made another two suicide attempts. She is now a spokesperson and summer camp counselor for the Oregon-based nonprofit Sparks of Hope. She shares her story to raise awareness of mental health, particularly in the African-American community, and help children who are survivors of abuse. What you got? Mm, this is a tough one. Definitely harder than the first one. Okay, okay. I think you're probably talking about Amani Boyette. No, no, you know what? I think you cheated. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Well, growing up in a house full of athletes, that helps me a little bit, but I'm pretty sure I'm not going to get all these right. Okay. I just, I just got um, a lucky start. Okay. Okay, so it's my turn. Let me ask you something. Okay, And okay. I'll give you the chance to um, catch up with me. Okay, redeem myself. Okay. So, former professional baseball pitcher that was diagnosed with clinical depression by a team psychologist in 2009. So okay. that gives you a time frame. Okay. He believes the pressure of professional baseball and his divorce from his wife contributed to his illness. Okay. In a 2009 interview with ESPN, he said, I felt like a total failure. I felt like I can't stay healthy enough to perform. 
so I'm not doing my job, and I failed at my marriage. I started to get into a lot of negative thought patterns. Mm. Oh, let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see. Justin Disher, Dusher, something like that, Justin Dusher. Now, I'm not a baseball fan, uh -huh. but you're right. And I don't know how to say his last name That's really okay. correctly. Because I didn't it's Justin Dusher. Okay, 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 perfect. So there you go. Okay, okay catching okay. up. That was a guess, okay. Mm. All right, I'm going to give you another one. <laughs> okay, okay. Ex-NFL star was 23, a millionaire, and had everything. Yet I was never more unhappy in my life, he said in an interview with the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, ADAA. I felt extremely isolated from my friends and family because I couldn't explain to them what I was feeling. I had no idea what was wrong with me. And then later diagnosed with depression and social anxiety disorder. Name that athlete. Oh, that's easy, Ricky Williams. Oh, I remember him back in the day, absolutely. Okay. Like, yeah, I remember him because he was, he was a very, um, of course, NFL player, but he was like, I was in the media. Mm. Yeah, I remember that back in the day. Well, you tied it up there. <sighs> so want, you want you want a chance to to get ahead? Because yeah, right now we at two and two. Uh oh. Okay. Can't have that. Let me see if I can get you with this one. Okay. She is successful global tennis champion. Okay. That revealed that she had been battling depression since winning Wimbledon the previous year, following injuries and health difficulties. She also opened up about postpartum depression following the birth of her daughter. Olympia in 2017. You know what? I want to say so right now, I want to say Serena Williams, thank you for being the first self-made athlete millionaire <laughs> on Forbes um, magazine. Okay. Thank you, Serena. That's, that's the answer. <laughs> yes. Serena Williams. Can't tell you nothing. <laughs> you got it. So we're, 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 right now we're what? Three and two? I have three and two. Okay. Is that what it is? Okay. I think okay. we know this. Okay. I was, hey, I'm just trying to make sure you know. Okay. <laughs> so we're almost done. Mm -hmm. um, we can't wait for you all to hear these interviews. Okay. So don't forget to check out, check us out on Instagram and Facebook at The Help Show. Um, so don't forget, again, The Help Show on Facebook and Instagram. So this is the last question. <clears throat> this can tie us up or I can be the winner. After two devastating defeats in the ring wwe fighter and former ufc champion suffered from depression and contemplated suicide who is she mm. now see i gave you some easy ones I i'm gonna help you a little bit she's not one of she's not one of the um williams sisters. how about that okay <laughs> well that certainly narrows it down i appreciate that uh-huh i'm looking out for you <laughs> man if only i had some of my boys here to help me out because I'm pretty sure they would know. But I'm honestly at a loss. It's Wonder Williams. Oh, okay. Okay. But hey, right now, let me glow. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> I will accept my defeat okay. and brush up on my research. Okay. <laughs> In this episode, we discuss history of sports and mental health, drug abuse, problematic emotions, responses to injuries, concussions among athletes, and also preventative measures. And follow our podcast, The Help Show, all one word. That's called The Help Show. As well as our host, Nyetta Reynolds, 
That's N-I-E-T-T-A-R-E-Y-N-O-L-D-S on Instagram. Also, join the conversations. Our favorite part of the recording podcast each month is participating in the great conversations that happen on our social media and on our comment section. So, hey, guys, don't forget to comment. Um, Like, come join a conversation we talk about on Instagram or we're asking questions or, you know, respond to some of the some of the posts that we do. We love to interact with our listeners as well as our followers. Thank you guys so much. Dr. Matt Johnson is a certified mental performance consultant for Texas Health Sports Medicine. As a former quarterback at Notre Dame, he has been teaching athletes and mental skills to become more focused, less anxious, and more confident toward achieving their peak performance. Matt Johnson works with athletes from virtually every sport, from baseball and soccer to golf and equestrian. His clients range from seven-year-olds to Olympic and professional athletes. He has provided clinics and workshops around the country. A former professor of sport and exercise psychology at Texas Christian University, Jocelyn educates parents and coaches on the latest sports psychology research to enhance performance and enjoyment of sports. Locally, he has served as a mental performance consultant for the TCU Horned Frogs. Hi, this is Nyetta, and you're listening to The Help Show. Today, Series 6, uh, Mental Health in Professional Sports. There is no finish line. We are um, interviewing Dr. Matt Johnson. Um, we're super, super excited to be interviewing him. Um, uh, Matt, are you on the line? I'm here. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so I just want to get this interview um, going. I'm really excited about this month. Um, Matt, I don't know if you, um, I think I um, told you when I spoke to you earlier, we actually interviewed, his name is, um, uh, at the end of the day, um, his name is um, Zachary Wallman. He is a professional boxer. And so he kind of told his um, his story um, on a professional level as being a, um, in the professional sport of, um, of being an athlete. And so mm-hmm. it's so important for people to understand. There's always, and you were, and also you were a professional athlete as well. And so um, it's so important for people to understand how mental health plays a huge part in sports. And and be and you know as far as as far as people knowing the 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 medical um, the physical aspect is important, but the mental aspect of things is very 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 important. And so um, we're going to get this um, podcast going. Um, and first of all, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for that. The PTT at the Health Show. We're always beyond grateful and thank, thankful that, you know, you come and help us spread awareness about mental health. So first of all, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Um, Johnson. Sure. So we're going to start this off by tell the audience a little bit about yourself and how you got into the line of, of your work. Yeah. So I am, uh, I have two roles. Uh, I'm a certified mental performance consultant and in that role I work with athletes on uh, mental training so focus confidence um, and how to improve the get the mental edge and then the other role is I'm a licensed professional counselor so I work with athletes um, and also non-athletes on um, more clinical issues such as could be anxiety depression um, you know ADHD um, mm-hmm. relationships, 
So uh, I got started in sports probably as most athletes did, playing a lot of sports. Uh, so three-sport athlete in high school and had a lot of success. Uh, state champion, um, state champion team in basketball and baseball. And then I went to University of Notre Dame and played football there. Um, but I, along the way, I got really interested in just the, the mental game, you know, why one day I'm confident, the other day I'm not as confident. I was very curious yeah. about that. So that's what led me into um, you know, pursuing a graduate degree and uh, master's and PhD in, in their sports psychology and mental training. So, um, and then, so for about 18 years, I've been working with athletes and in, in, um, in the mental performance training capacity. Um, and probably about the last nine years or so, uh, more specifically, um, I added on working with them on more clinical issues. And the reason I did that is because when I first started out in, in graduate school, um, I would be working with athletes and collegiate athletes, um, and we would work on mental training uh, components, how to, how to get a mental edge. Um, but I noticed at times, every now and again, um, there'd be an athlete who may be going through some more clinical issues, such as depression. Uh, huh. And one, one football player comes to mind, and so I had to refer him to the counseling center because I wasn't trained. I didn't have the, I wasn't a, a licensed therapist. And, and he said, yeah, well, you know, I really would rather just meet with you because I feel more comfortable with you. And I just said, right, well, unfortunately I can't, you know, we can work on the mental training aspect, but, uh, you know, I'm not a licensed therapist. And he said, well, they, they just really don't understand what, you know, what it's like to be an athlete there. And so I don't really want to go. And so, so that to me was kind of a, a signal that I need to broaden my umbrella, so to speak, and um, get training to be a licensed therapist. So if issues did come up outside of the mental performance um, capacity, then you know, I'd be qualified at least to uh, assess and potentially work with that athlete or refer them to someone else. Okay. So I have a question. For those that don't know what sports psychology is, can you explain a little bit about sports psychology? Because sometimes, you know, our listeners don't know what certain types of, you know, um, what your degree or what your, um, what you being in professional being um, sports psychology, what does that entail? Right. Good question. And, um, you know, the word sports psychology is, you know, there's programs, graduate programs in, in sports psychology, but um, there's really, you know, two different fields. Um, you know, one is performance enhancement. So that's where you're working with athletes on how to improve their their focus and competition. So maybe there's a baseball player, for example, you know, a baseball player who's not hitting well. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, it's not a clinical issue. It's not like he's depressed per se. Um, okay. But you know, losing focus or just uh, a lot of negative self-talk, you know, losing confidence. And so, you know, as a certified mental performance consultant, then, you know, I work with, I would work with him on how to improve confidence and improve, uh, you know, hopefully performance through his mental game. Um, on the other area is, uh, you know, for a licensed therapist and, um, you know, there's a, a variety of different types of licensed therapists. So there's psychologists, um, mm -hmm. there's um, 
social workers, um, there's licensed professional counselors. And so I fall, you know, that's uh, what my um, training is in as a licensed professional counselor. So, and, you know, we do most, mostly the same things that a psychologist would. Um, we're able to, you know, diagnose and, and treat for depression, anxiety, and, uh, you know, it, uh, the mental health concerns that may come up. So, so there are two different fields, uh, but again, both of them are working with athletes. Okay. Okay. So, um, with, you know, with sports, do you, um, in your professional opinion, um, do you think sports improve mental health? And, yeah, and so that, again, so, why? Right, right. So again, a great question. And, you know, my answer is it depends. Um, you know, like most things, you know, um, sports, what's going on in sports has an impact on, uh, you know, the mind and emotion of the athlete. So certainly when things are going well for athletes, um, you know, we know huge benefits, obviously, from exercise. And, you know, as, a, as an athlete, typically you're going to have good, you know, team camaraderie or at least uh, teammates that you connect with, um, have relationships uh, with. Um, you have a good relationship with your coach. Um, sometimes they can be coaches can be really good mentors for athletes. Um, so there's a lot of benefits there. You know, being uh, part of a group. Um, you know, and for athletes getting a, a chance to travel. So I work with a lot of college athletes, some professional athletes. You know, and just being able to travel around the country, around the world, being able to see things that they normally wouldn't be able to see um, had they not been an athlete. So, you know, right. there are a lot of benefits there. You know, on the other hand, sport can also be um, very challenging for athletes because they can experience a lot of pressure. Um, yeah. And uh, many times when, if they're not performing the way that they have in the past or expectations perhaps of coaches or of fans, um, or uh, of teams, then they can feel a lot of pressure and lose a lot of confidence, and, and, and that can be a real struggle for them. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, even outside of that, certainly, you know, the relationships that they have in their life, um, they can experience stresses from other relationships um, right. that can compound what challenges they may be experiencing within their sport if they're not doing well. And then, you know, transitioning out of their sports and dealing with injuries or to other areas as well. So, you know, because no athletes get into the sport to get injured, but, you know, we know that's pretty common that, you know, almost, you know, the, the longer you play, the, the more likely you are to get injured at some point. Um, and, you know, going through the rehab, being out of, uh, out of playing, that becomes, can be very difficult to do. Absolutely. Um, with being injured, you know, I was um, I was reading an article and it was noted that um, one injury is expected to occur, and then every every five practices, and one injury every two games, and so that's a lot. Right. Right. That's, and and that's a whole lot. And so I'm just thinking about the the mental aspect of, of those things because you know, um, being injured, and you know, if you're gonna play, you're not gonna play. If you're not, um, your performance is not great. Um, you know, um, it, you know, relationships are not great on the team or off the team. That affects, you know, that affects your, you know, your whole ability to to perform um, and to be focused um, um, as an athlete and so and as anybody. You know, you have those type of pressures. Just, you know, let's say not an athlete, just a regular person. You have those 
you know, type of issues or type of problems um, in the home, out of the home, not performing, like, you know, playing professional football or baseball or basketball, that's still a job. So you're not performing to the best ability, you know, for your job. And so right. um, with, with that being said, what are the psychological effects of uh, we're going to go around to sports injuries? Because also I was reading about concussions. And so I was very interested in about that, kind of what you know about that. But besides that, what are different psychological effects of the sports of injuries of, um, of being a professional athlete or being an athlete in general? Right. Yeah. So, um, so again, you know, the way I like to kind of explain it is every athlete uh, and their sport has uh, is a relationship. So, the athlete is in a relationship with their sport. So, if you think of a you know having a significant other or a really close friend, um, you have a strong relationship. And okay. when there's tension and stress in that, that affects your mood. Um, and so with injuries, it, depending on the type of injury, you know, if it's a shorter term injury, um, you know, we know by the researchers, there's a variety of different factors, um, that are involved, um, from the type of injury it is based on the sport. So for example, maybe you have a thumb injury and in football, um, you know, if you're a defensive back, it really doesn't affect you much, but if you're a golfer and you have a thumb in injury, that's going to be a big impact because you have to hold a golf club. So it can be a minor thing, um, or seemingly minor injury, but it depends on the sport um, and how it affects that, uh, that player, uh, that athlete's performance. So, um, so when an athlete has a longer term injury, such as they're out for the whole season, um, mm -hmm. again, now that can, we know that can also create a lot of mood fluctuations so that their moods can, can go up or down um, because, Again, they're in a relationship, so it's like a it's like a breakup in a relationship, and um, you know they're not able to spend time with that person, even though they you know they want to be with that person, but you know that person uh, they're not able to. Um, again, that's how I use the metaphor of you know you and your sport, you're in a relationship with your sport, and so injuries cause a break in that relationship. Um, mm. And so what often happens too is everybody. When you're injured, everybody's asking you, "Well, how's your injury today? How's it going today?" How's it going? Yeah, and that gets old after about a a week or okay. two. And so, okay. um, you know, one of the things that I do when I work with injured athletes is, you know, talk to them about the things that they can expect to go through, you know, emotionally and in interacting with other people, and, that, and that's a huge part. Um, and typically, by the time that uh, that I meet with them, they've already they know what I'm. They know that I know what I'm talking about because um, they're like, yeah, I've been going through that, and it gets old. So, um, but yet, you know, what what can you do? People are just going to ask you. Your coach is going to ask you, well, how are you doing today? You know, it could be parents. How are you going today? Your spouse. How are you doing today? And so, um, so we come up with ways to be able to better deal with that. So, because um, what can happen is then you can begin to kind of isolate and not want to be around people because yeah. they're going to ask you those questions or because you know, you're feeling down because here it is, you know, think what happens when you're injured and you're not able to, to play one. Um, now your team is traveling and you're not traveling. So they right. travel and they compete and they play and then they come back and, 
now they have these shared experiences, good or bad, you know, whether they won or lost or whatever, whatever happened on the trip, and right. we're talking about it. And you're a teammate. You've been around them, but you can't relate, I mean, because you weren't there. So right. you feel start to feel like an outsider. Um, sure. and, and, again, if you're not practicing, you know, even what goes on daily in practice, you know, you right. may be standing there maybe uh, doing things on the bike, but you're not in uh, – in practice, I mean, not really in it and what's going on. So, again, you're starting to feel more and more like an outsider. So, um, again, so that that cohesiveness of being a team and teammates now starts to, uh, starts to break down. Um, yeah. And, again, so emotionally that can have an effect. And to the degree that you – your friends, the people you hang out with are your teammates, again, that can have an effect because um, – now, one of the things you know I talk about with athletes is trying to develop relationships not just with teammates but also outside of sport as well. That um, that's um, really important. Um, in terms of uh, injuries, again, you know, depending on what the, what the uh, injury is, um, you know, coaches typically are are, are going to want you back in. Um, and let's say, you know, you were making your way up the depth chart and now you just got a starting roll, boom, you got an injury and now you're out for, for three weeks. Um, well, they're going to have to get somebody else in there. And so, man, you can feel like all the hard work that you put in and now you're back at, uh, you know, uh, second string, third string. And again, that can feel very deflating. So, um, but, you know, when I talk about with athletes is even though at first what appears like, you know, the worst thing in the world um, you know, we talk about how we can use this time to get better, you know, especially mentally. So when we come back into, when the athlete comes back into play, they're ready. They're more mentally stronger than they were when they left. Um, and certainly, you know, adherence to the rehab protocol, uh, having faith in doctors, physical therapists, trainers, um, you know, that's really important. Sometimes that breaks down as well. And that's right. You know, that's an area that in, in working with athletes, um, you know, it's helpful for them to be able to have uh, someone to talk to about, you know, the trust process that's going on with their medical yeah. staff. So, you know, I, oh. yeah, go ahead. No, 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 go. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, so, I, well, I, I was I just thinking that you mentioned concussions. And so, right. you know, the thing about that's, that's tricky and, and challenging with concussions is, um, you know, for most injuries, not all, but most injuries, there's a protocol of recovery and there's some certainty about when the person will be back to play. So, right. um, you know, if they have an ACL tear and surgery, then they can you know, predict fairly well what time they'll be back. But with concussions, it's so tricky because it, there's no certainty. And, and when an athlete, let alone, you know, a human being is experiencing a lot of uncertainty, then, you know, they can feel stress. They can feel anxious. They can feel, you know, worried. I mean, their mind, our minds begin to ruminate because our minds seek certainty. So our mind is searching for, okay, so when will I be back now? You know, and, and again, doctors really can't give an answer to that as opposed to like an ACL tear and, you know, surgery. So, um, so that becomes really difficult. Um, and, right. and on top of that, just having headaches, um, 
So I've worked with athletes with concussions, and again, we're you know we're working to um, you know to to manage the symptoms, um, but also stay connected. That's so important. Probably the biggest thing with injured athletes that's so important is really to to stay connected and not to isolate. But yet, that's typically what you want to do. And with concussions. In many ways, mm-hmm. you're you're kind of asked to isolate, like you know, with, for example, college athletes, you know, don't mm-hmm. don't go to class. I mean, you can't go to class because you know headaches, and so now mm-hmm. they're in the room. I mean, it's you know they're isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. that one is really um, you know challenging. Although you know, I think the, it, you know, and I'm not a, a physician, um, but in talking to other physicians and neuroscientists. You know, they're really looking at what is the best type of um, treatment for concussions, and maybe some of the old practices are not the best, like like letting someone just stay in in their room. Um, and the reason they're doing that is to, uh, in lower lights is to diminish um, the lighting because, and they often wear sunglasses to diminish the the lighting because it can cause the headaches. So, um, so anyway. That's what we, you know, that's one of the areas I work with, you know, athletes on is um, that uh, their injuries, dealing with the injuries, and then also reentry. So, depending on the injury, when they come back, they may have okay. fears and anxieties about getting injured mm. again, and so okay. that's something that we address as well. How to, how to overcome those fears? Because you know the question, the next question I was going to ask you, kind of answering some of it, like how do athletes become better mentally? And so staying connected is one of them. You know um, mm-hmm. how they can stay connected. And then um, what? A, is there anything else? You said the reentry, but what about when they reentry? About you know the fears and things that they have. How do they? How do they prepare them? How how would an athlete prepare themselves mentally reentering from? From a, um, for example, a torn ACL, or you know, um, a broken leg, or you know, something in that nature. How would they prepare themselves mentally? Right. So, uh, you know, typically you're going to have your trainer, athletic trainer, physician, uh, physical therapist. You know, they're going to progress you with. You know, they're not going to have you just sprinting right away. Obviously, right. So they're going to progress you. Uh, so you're developing confidence in. Um, you know, walking first and then, you know, jogging and then doing some lateral, you know, simple, easy lateral movements, you know, um, and then going a little, you know, faster. So, um, but what can happen is, you know, athlete can still have those images of the injury in their mind that come up um, and they can, you know, have those flashbacks related to injury depending on what it was um so we begin to work with those images and um, begin to change those images um you know a a little bit of ptsd is possible you know that that's not the most common thing that happens but you know with some um athletes they may have you know just some 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 mild to moderate ptsd like symptoms that come up so so again we kind of address it or i address it uh using that uh, a bit of a PTSD model. Um, but imagery becomes really important because if they're able to control their images or not, um, sometimes at first they're not able to control those images. And so they they don't want to think about maybe the past injury or re-injuring, but they feel unable to control those images and they keep seeing themselves, you know, 
um, we injure. Yeah. So it's so it's a you know it's a process that um, that we go through uh, in working you know, from from the mental perspective. Okay. Um, so last question. Well, two, well, two more. <laughs> Um, sure. What what would be your professional suggestion for those that are struggling with mental health issues because of their life because life quality and athletic um, and their athletic identity? Right. So, um, you know, I think it's tricky for athletes because you know, as athletes, we're, we're kind of trained to be like these warriors and you know not okay. not feel pain and. Um, you know, just cope and move on. You know, similar to military, you know, I worked with veterans who've been in combat, who've you've shot, you know, civilians, um, and you know, and what they're told, you know, like they're in a uh, um, in a vehicle and they're going through really fast um, through a city, and you know, somebody moves and you know they're they're trained to shoot, and then they go by and they've just shot a civilian. You know, it could be a mother or a child, and you know, and but what they're told is, you know, don't worry about it. just go 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 go. You know, stay stay focused on the task, which is in the moment that's what you have to do. And so, in, in some similar ways, you know, athletes are told to you know, just focus on the task right now. So, um, okay. uh, but you know. You know the thing about athletes and you know college professional Olympic athletes is, I mean they're human beings. <laughs> they're still human beings. They have yeah. extraordinary talents. You know they're 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 not supermen and women, um, right. but they have extraordinary amazing talents that they've honed and, and natural skills, and they're still humans. Um, <clears throat> so. Um, you know they're in relationships with people outside of their inside their sport, but outside of their sport as well. And just because they may be highly skilled in their sport doesn't mean that they have um, honed those skills outside of their sport, such as you know, in relationships um, right. or with finances. You know, I've had former teammates who have um, uh, who played in their game with me, and then they you know, went on to the end of the pros, and then you know went bankrupt. You know. So, because you know, they weren't trained in uh, finances, so um, and then that has an effect, you know, in terms Absolutely. of their, their emotional, um, mental health. So, um, so you know, what I would recommend is, you know, probably the most important thing is just um, realizing those differences. That while you know, you're uh, you know, amazing athletes that there are also other things that um, you can learn and get better at and you may need help with, you know, and I always, because, you know, mental health or counseling, you know, m most athletes in my experience initially are very resistant to that because like, I don't need help. I can do it myself. Um, right. You know, and ask them, do you have a coach? You know, and they say, yes. I said, well, do you listen to your coach? Yes. Well, why do you do that? Because <laughs> he helps me. I said, well, but you just said you don't you can do it all yourself um, right. so you know again challenging some of those antiquated ideas that you know I can do everything myself um, but fortunately today you know we're opening up more athletes are opening up you know and um, well-known athletes are opening up about um, you know just their um, the struggles that they have I mean even you know probably one of the, the most um, 
well-known and most successful, in fact, the most successful ever in his sport, Olympic-wise, is Michael Phelps. Uh-huh. And, you know, one of the things that he's talked about, he's is really advocating for mental health. Um, and he has um, talked about, you know, a lot uh, being um, caught drinking and driving and, um, you know, smoking pots and things that he said, you know, looking back were things he turned to, to deal with, you know, pressures that he felt. You know, the other thing he said is after every Olympics, he went through a big depression, uh, which makes sense. I mean, because, I mean, you've devoted, you know, three and a half years of your life to train for these two weeks and then it's over. And now it's like, yeah. now what? And, and, and so, you know, it's exhausting and sacrificed a lot uh, for that. So, um, you know, in, you know, I have a quote here cause I knew we were going to talk today. So I wanted to, um, you know, share that from what he said, you know, in his words, uh, he said, you know, I remember going to treatment my first day I was shaking, you know, shaking because I was nervous about the change that was coming up. Um, mm-hmm. I needed to figure out what was going on. Um, and he said, once I began to talk about, you know, my feelings, you know, life became easy. Um, and I said to myself so many times, why didn't I do this 10 years ago? He said, but I wasn't right. ready. And I was very good at compartmentalizing things, stuffing things away that I didn't want to talk about. I didn't want to deal with. I didn't want to bring up. I just never, ever wanted to see those things. Um, you know, and he talked about, you know, for, you know, being holed up, you know, for four or five days, not talking to anyone, you know, having suicidal thoughts. Mm. Um, and, and here's, you know, the greatest swimming Olympian, uh, male of all time. So, um, you know, so I know his goal is to, is to try to help, you know, others, you know, athletes included, uh, to, to, you know, seek out help and again, realize that they're human too. Um, and that, you know, mental health is about, you know, our mental well-being, and it's not just yeah. automatic just because you're a great athlete. Right. You are, and you're you're absolutely right about that. Just like a, um, you know, another athlete, Serena Williams, opened up about her postpartum depression. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's so important for these athletes to open up to let people to let people know we are human just like us. Yes, we get we get paid a lot of money, but we are human and we do have feelings and we do get depressed. You know, we do some not all of us, but some of us have suicidal thoughts. And mm-hmm. and I feel that it's you know, it's okay to 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 share that to let people know that that you are you are a person. You know, sure. and just like you know, just like if Serena need help and Michael Felton, help. There's many, many other Americans that that are not athletes that have um, mental health issues that that need help as well. And so, yeah. And and one of the big things I guess I would just add to that is that you you know in sports, um, you know, the idea is you don't want your opponents to know your your weaknesses or absolutely, uh, absolutely. don't want to. So so and even outside of that, I mean you know when you're a professional, you know, athlete, you have people all the time who are wanting something from you. And so Absolutely. you have to really develop who your close knit, uh, you know, um, connections are and who you can really, really trust. Cause again, I've had 
you know, former teammates who just told me, you know, everybody comes out of the woodwork when you're making money, right? Big money. And so, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, when that happens, then who do you trust? And so, so there's already a sense of, you know, skepticism about you know, who can I trust? Who can I open up to? Yeah. Who's really have yeah. my best interest? Um, right. And so that can also just compound that, you know, with mental health and just the whole, um, you know, idea that, you know, I, um, I can take care of things myself and I'm not, right. you know, I'm not weak or I can't show weakness. And again, you know, and I want to be clear, you know, mental health is not weakness. It's, it's like, it's, a, it's uh, about a skill. It's about our emotions and about learning right. ways to, to manage those, you Absolutely. know, and it's not automatic. You know, sometimes some of us have had um, caregivers growing up who were very knowledgeable and skilled in that, that really helped us along the way. But you know, most of us, <laughs> didn't you know and even our parents were doing the our family members were doing the best they could okay, absolutely. Um, but you know but, but they may have not been the best for us so <laughs> yeah um, it, it's like that sometimes um so dr um johnson i'm gonna have to wrap this um interview up i hate that because i really want to be on the phone with sure. you a little bit longer <laughs> <laughs> it was a really good no conversation, problem. but I want people to know, like, how can they reach you or um, can they follow you on, like, any type of social media, um, if they're son or daughter, or, you know, um, even, um, you know, I, I know some professional athletes myself, so um, if they wanted to reach you, like, what could, you know, how could they reach you? Yep, sure. So probably just the simplest way is uh, our website is drmattjohnson.com, mm -hmm. and it has you know a basic information there, phone number, um, email address. Um, so uh, also talks a little bit about um, just my work and, and uh, how I work with athletes, um, both in terms of per well primarily in terms of performance enhancement, um, but as we talked about today, I also work on the uh, you know, mental health aspect as well. Okay. Well, um, Dr. Johnson, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you again for um, taking the time to interview with the Help Show. And um, sure, everybody, absolutely. yeah, everybody, please stay tuned. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Bye bye.